it is a new era of the Commitment Issues podcast. We will be without Woody Womack uh, for a number of weeks. So we'll see if anybody actually hears this, considering I don't know how to work this thing once we record it. Rob Cassidy joined by Dave Lackford. A uh, little change of pace, but you know, it's good to have you on and this should be fun, right? Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. I guess the first thing we want to touch on here, Dave, is is the coaching hire that's been made, which is one of the earliest coaching hires I can remember as far as coaching cycles go, and that's Kansas hiring Les Miles. What was your initial thought? Were you surprised by this? What did you kind of think when you first read the headline, Dave? I thought that Kansas was going to have to switch to a grass field now because uh, <laughs> Les ain't going to be able to put turf in the blender. <laughs> I, I kind of think it's a good fit. I see that people are – pretty divided on the issue. Uh, it seems like some reporters, in particular Stuart Mandel, thinks it's the worst hire in the history of the Western world. Uh, where, I, where I think, you know, who, who did these people think Kansas was going to hire? I mean, if you pass on Les Miles, who is the, who's the slam dunk hire that they missed out on? Yeah, you know, Kansas has a long, proud tradition of winning and uh, Les has to maintain that, that high standard, you know. Um, who do you get instead of him? Yeah, I mean, why everybody was so upset? Okay, this is a terrible, uninspired hire. Okay, if that's the case, who would you have hired? And I don't, I don't know that there's an answer to that question. Well, I, I live in Louisville, so the answer to every coaching hire is Jeff Brom, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would have come dancing to Lawrence, Kansas, and we'll get to Brom later. We'll get to Brom later in the show. What do you think? How do you think Les Miles era pans out in in, in Lawrence? If I had to put you on the spot here. Well, if he wins six games, it's a smashing success, right? I don't know what Stewart wants from Kansas here or expects them to do. It's not an attractive job. It's in the Big 12. Uh, you, you don't have inroads to really any solid recruiting territory, so at least less gives you that. What I don't know. I think sometimes you got to sell your articles and you got to – you know, stay on brand and Stewart's become quite a curmudgeon. And we'll talk about something else he said later, but I don't know what these people expect from it's Kansas people. This is why I think it's a good hire. They already have some inroads to Louisiana. We saw them uh, snatch the four-star DB out of there. Uh, Corian Harris last year, Puka Williams is from the area. They've got some inroads made there in Louisiana. And Les Miles hasn't been gone that long. It's not like these prospects – uh, in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans, forgot you know what he did at LSU, and we in the media like to joke about bad clock management, and we like to joke about how he couldn't you know he couldn't win the big one even at LSU, uh, even though he did. It's right. it's gotten to the point where I think we have a little bit of a revisionist history here of how good Les Miles is. If we're going to decide that he underachieved just because he couldn't beat Nick Saban, a lot of SEC coaches aren't qualified for the Kansas job. If that's the bar, if the bar is you have to win the national championship or you have to win an SEC title. Uh, every SEC coach, except for Gus Malzahn, Kirby Smart, and Nick Saban are off the board. They're all not good enough for KU. I think that if you told Kansas fans, look, you're going to hire – you're going to have the chance to hire a coach that won a national title, uh, all of them would have taken that. And I think it's a coup that they got Les Miles. I think Les Miles could have held out and gotten a more attractive job. I think it's a great hire, and and i firmly in that camp. Uh, we'll see. I'll probably look very stupid down the road. It's the, I think the reason you get the blowback from the media is it's just not sexy. He's old news. He was fired midseason. Um, 
and he was so boring on offense. You know, you could say that he wasted ODB or o- OBJ, my bad. Um, so there's, there's, <laughs> I a, wish uh, ODB was a wide receiver for LSU. If Old Dirty Bastard was running around there running out routes, <laughs> the time. Put, put you got at running back and risen at this, at the quarterback spot, you know, but, um, he, he has this, this, um, this look on him that says this is a boring hire because he's not good on offense. He was canned at his last job. He had a great team that underperformed his last two years were eight and five, nine and three, but that's in the sec West. You know, what are we talking about here? Kansas? Yeah, you don't get to play. You don't get to play Iowa state in the sec West. You know, you don't get, you don't get to play anybody outside of the sec. <laughs> you get to play uh, Except for for one reason, yeah, for for one for some reason or another, you get to play a FCS team and late late in the season for for no reason. <laughs> right, I think it's a good hire too. I I agree with you totally, and I think that Kansas uh, outkicked their coverage on this. Even I'll go that far to say. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, I think it's a giant coup. I don't. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they just if. If the alternate route is hire an up-and-coming coordinator, they just tried that. They hired a position coach where everybody wants to get the next young thing, but that doesn't always work, you know? Uh, Vinny's a great coach. Sure. I think I don't think they should have fired him. I think that's a different conversation. Uh, I think you can be in both camps where you don't think they should have fired Beatty, and you also think that hiring Les Miles is amazing. Uh, I, I just – they looked pretty good last week against Oklahoma, and I could see a situation where they win this weekend – uh, and then the firing the guy looks a little bit silly, I think. I agree. So that's that's the wrap on Kansas. Yeah, maybe we're move into maybe, USC we, maybe we never talk about them ever again. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we might be talking about them a little bit down the road. I, I think Les is going to have great success there. But we will move on to USC, which you have been viewing. I heard them in the background. <laughs> I heard the replay of the USC UCLA game in the background before I made you shut it off. Uh, we started the podcast. Everybody thinks Clay Helton's gone. What do you think? Does he survive? Do you think he should survive? Uh, or do you think they need to start looking in another direction? Well, I'm glad you asked because I wrote a pro-con list on fire. Of, of course you did. Let's hear it. Let's all, right, so, all right. First and foremost, there's been a 20, $23,000 have been raised on a fire Clay Helton GoFundMe uh, on the internet out there. So that's a thing. So the fans are clearly, clearly upset with Clay Helton, a coach who coming into the season had won 21 games in the previous two seasons um, and uh, who has has a freshman quarterback who reclassified. Uh, he should be in high school right now. Also, um, Rob, did you know that JT Daniels and Amon Ross St. Brown went to the same high school and now they play on the same team in college? Did you know that? I had read a story or 30 about that. Yes, people have informed me of that. Did, did you also know that – did you know that every time they hook up for a touchdown, the announcers are contractually obligated to mention that and also say that's just not fair? <laughs> and the thing is everybody's mad at JT, right? Like the UFC fans have decided he's not good now? Yeah, I mean the kids. Is he even eighteen yet? Can yeah, he, I think he is. He, I think he, he he's one of those cases like a Mark Pope, where it was like he suddenly he reclassified because he was in the wrong class all along or something. Right, I think he's yeah, one of those guys. That's that's the typical football dad coup right there. It's like, all right, I'm going to hold my kid back a year so he's bigger and looks better on film than everyone. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't have to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and bump him back up to where he's supposed to be. It's happening more and more. too. you remember something similar happened with the the South Carolina quarterback, Jake Bentley, where he was just suddenly in college 
And I love pointing out this podcast when I met Mark Pope, the Miami wide receiver. Well, it happens all the time. I mean, I see no. it all the time in Pee Wee football. You know? Dave, I kid, I kid you not, three years ago, a coach at a seven-on-seven seven came up and said, Rob, this is the next big thing. This is eighth grader Mark Pope. This is two years ago. Mm-hmm. He is now at Miami in his, his freshman years. <laughs> I don't, I, the next thing you know, he was a senior, and now he's you know he's playing for Miami. It's it's crazy how it happens. But we kind of we've gone off we're on getting, a tangent. Yeah, we're getting, what do you think of Helton? All right, so I think Helton is uh, he's he's out there playing with a freshman quarterback over his time there. This is the this is the uh, the con list for firing him basically. So he just got an extension. All right, this year. So now you're going to have to eat that, and that looks kind of suspect on Lynn Swan's part, and he's going to have to explain that to the new president that comes in there, you know. Um, but also, Jeff Fire was uh, Jeff Fisher was fired the same year he got an extension, and that kind of worked out for the Rams. So um, that's that. Uh, like I said, he won 21 games the last two seasons. He's got a freshman who reclassified. He also lost a lot of experienced players to the NFL, and. Um, he appears to be, you know, like a well-liked person inside the program. The, the players definitely have his back. I think JT Daniels went on the record saying, if you think our loss to UCLA was because of coaching, you don't know football. Um, and, you know, it was basically an execution problem more so than a scheme problem. So those are like a lot of the cons that I, I was – oh, and he's a t- typically a top 10 recruiter. However, going over to the pro, why should we fire Clay side? Uh, <laughs> Hold on. This- you, you completely left out some things on the cons. Let's let's – Let's put it like how about they won the Pac-12 last year? Right, they won the Pac. Well, I I guess I need to flush that out more. Am I won the twenty-one games the previous two seasons? I, I don't understand. I mean, I guess you can't have a bad season at USC now where it's over. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's move to the other list. Is it? Do you have any any cons? Because this is like just a brainstorm thing for I, me. I so if you have anything, I, I'm always and it's kind of strange for me because as much as I like to make fun of coaches and their hokey fake personalities, I don't ever want to see them get fired unless it's totally you know something like scandal or it's definitely not working out. Or Bobby Petrino. Yeah, or Bobby Petrino. I don't understand the, why you'd move make this move right now. He's he won the Pac-12 last year. The year before that, he went to the Cotton Bowl. You know, they, they played in a BCS game or former BCS game, I guess, a New Year's Six game, I guess they call it now. And we're just deciding if we're fighting Hilton now, we're just deciding that you're not allowed to have a bad year at USC ever because uh, is it you have to be in the hunt for a national title or we fire you? I just feel like we're getting pretty far down a rabbit hole now where the expectations are kind of heading in a, <laughs> in a direction where I don't know who can – who can really settle those expectations? Also, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to fire a guy, especially a guy that's had some success, you better have somebody lined up that you think is better and you know is better. And I don't, I don't know who that is. And we can get to that after you read your cons column, pro uh, or pro, pros column, and we can talk about that. Let's let's hear your pros, and then we can move into what do you do if you do fire him. Well, okay. So the pros are are pretty much, I couldn't really find anything that I thought was very specific to this instance. I found two things that I thought were specific and everything else was kind of like cliche, why you fire a coach type of uh, hot seat speak, you know? Mm -hmm. So the number one is uh, USC will be the biggest job on the market this year because, you know, the coaching carousel went nuts last year. I mean, it seemed like every job in the SEC was open. Uh, But what if Ohio State opens? I think Ryan Day gets that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to open. I, I I think that we've just decided it's going to. And I what don't he, know what he thinks. Open. What he thinks is going to open. He thinks that um, you know, there's some real health issues there with Urban, and he's going to, with all the stuff that's been going down 
off the field there. He said that, you know, he can definitely see him leaving. And he wrote an article on it. But um, if, if he does, hypothetically speaking, leave, then I think Ryan Day gets promoted from within. He was already the interim coach there. He's he, he's kind of just like a plug, plug and play right there for Urban. I think he's an up-and-coming guy. I mean, the offense isn't the problem at Ohio State. No, it's um, not. Do you think the Ohio State fan base would be okay with that, though? I, I, I just see them as one of those fan bases like USC that if you know, you know, if you don't go and hire Chris Peterson or somebody from the NFL, then would it be great if they hired John Harbaugh? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Oh my God! Yes, that is the best thing that could ever happen in in Big Ten history. The Harbaugh brothers going at and it. Those, yes. those two dudes are just weird enough to do it. I remember I met John Harbaugh. He came and spoke at a rivals thing. And he is an interesting guy. Like half the speech was about field corn and sweet corn and field <laughs> corn's tough and him and his brother pounding on each other. Uh, you know, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be those two. Dude, I, I think that's – we should, you should write that right now. Like you, after we log off, just start writing that. Bring our ball to Ohio State. Just no, throw it out one. there? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Hearing John Harbaugh's name linked to the non-open Ohio State job that may not open. All right, back to Helton. We've gone on another tangent. All right, so so assuming that um, Ohio State doesn't open up, I think USC will be the biggest job on the market this year, and they can have the pick of the litter at head coach. Now, we'll get into who those head coaches may be in a little bit. Um, I think another problem, I think another benefit of firing him is um, is the market out there in Southern, in, in, in California. You know, like LA fans are probably the most fair weather fans you can find in the country. And uh, they're losing money because they're not coming out to watch this team this year. And Lynn, another thing, Lynn Swan doesn't want to have to explain to the new president that comes in. Uh, and Lynn Swan is the AD, if you don't know that. And he doesn't want to have to explain why the ticket sales are down and why they're not getting people in a stadium. So, you know, that kind of re-energizes the fan base if they get a new coach and puts the proverbial meat in the seats. Um, there, there's also been, uh, it seems like a lot of, um, disciplinary issues where some people were charged with some some crimes and kicked off the team things like that happening uh but other than that i mean it's just the obvious things you know they've struggled this year i think this is like the worst year they've had in like 20 seasons um it some fans i i hear talk about you know usc looks soft and maybe they'll be able to change that perception of the program if they bring in a guy like say uh james franklin someone like that and, you know, anytime you get the new coach smell, that also just generates a buzz. Um, and they have a bad recruiting class this year. Uh, I think they're ranked 31st in the country by us. So yeah, that's, that's not a good look. They, right. so those, the local those media is definitely circling the wagons. They definitely want – you can tell that they've decided he's gone because there's a certain change of tone whenever a coach is going to get fired where – and we talk about it a lot with FSU. Like whenever it was pretty clear that Jimbo Fisher was on the way out last year, it became – Jimbo Fisher's program is toxic. You never heard about that toxic program before, but it's, you know, once they smell blood and I feel like this, <laughs> that media contingent smells some blood. If you read anything written by anybody out there uh, that they've decided that he's gone now, are they, have they decided correctly? Who knows? I, like I said, I wouldn't fire him, but without further ado, if they do, who would you hire at USC? Dave Lackman? Jeff Brown. <laughs> no, um, we talked about this, right? So we got Whittingham, Kyle Whittingham out in uh, Utah, who I, I really think highly of. Um, I'm a big fan of Utah. I think they're a physical team out there, and he does uh, less with more. So give him – and I think he can recruit in California, don't you? 
Yeah, I think he's got, you know, he's got some ties there and he's got a big enough name. Uh, obviously, you know, he recruits there right now at Utah. They, they do pretty well. I think people don't understand how well they do out there. Uh, Utah on the West Coast, they do pretty well in Florida too. Uh, but no, they do relatively well recruiting. Uh, and, you know, it's not like they're one of these teams that completely overachieves and has no good players. They're, <laughs> Winningham's a good recruiter and so is his staff. And I think he gets sold short on that uh, sometimes. Right. So so I think I would put him at the top of the list uh, personally. Um, and then, you know, you kind of think that Chris Peterson, because he took so long to leave Boise State, wouldn't leave Washington. Um, but talk, what do you think about that? I don't. I don't see why he would do it right now. It seems like, I mean, obviously the money, but if the money was that big a deal, do you remember how many offers that man turned down when he was at Boise? I didn't think I he think, was ever going to leave. I think he's a picky guy where if he's comfortable in a place, like he was at Boise, like he should be at Washington and he's winning, it's the way I would be because I'm a coward. Let me let me just tell you this. I am exactly like Chris Peterson because we're both, inside, deep down inside, we're cowards, where I am so scared to take another job if I am in a job where I know I will not get fired, <laughs> you know, uh, anything new, anything new is scary to me. And I think it's the same way to Peterson. Whereas, especially if you see them fire Clay Helton a year after he won the Pac-12 for having a bad season, that's going to turn a guy like me off. Uh, maybe Peterson too. Uh, you know, what's the point of giving up the job security to go there and, and maybe get fired in a couple of years? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that you're being a coward there. I think that's a prudent move. Job security is one of the big boxes you need to check whenever you're going to go get a new job. And um, What do you think he would have to do in Washington to get fired? What, what would Chris Peterson have to do at Washington? How many bad years of what record to get fired at Washington right now? Well, he'd definitely get a, a mulligan year. And he'd have to miss a bowl game two straight years, I think, to be kicked out of there. Yeah, that's not happening. Right, right exactly. So you think Peterson stays at Washington because he's the old school prudent guy who's looking at the big picture and saying, you know what, a couple extra do- uh, million dollars isn't worth the risk of losing all the millions of dollars or being yeah, back just, on the market. I think there's a reason and I think they're correlated that he didn't leave Boise when he had the opportunity to do it. I think that he's a picker and a chooser. And I think that I don't know that this is the right spot. You said yourself, USC is not healthy right now. Um, right. And it, also, is not, it is a job that can recruit itself. It's capable of doing that. But at the state the program's in right now, I don't think it does. I think that whoever takes it over, it's going to be a full scale rebuild. And it's it's recruiting prowess is the gift and the curse, too. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're, yeah. you're going to your kids are going to get bumps when they commit to you in the rankings. And everyone's going to look at the rankings all the time and say, well, you have a you know top 10, top six, number one recruiting class in the country. And, you know, you didn't you lost Ohio State in the Rose Bowl and now we're having the worst season in 20 years. What have you done for me lately? See you later. And also, Southern California is much, vastly different than Boise, Idaho, or or Washington. You know what I mean? So there's cultural things there. There's job security things there. So so he's out, right? We're shooting him down. I'm with you. You got me. You got me on board. I don't think they can get him. No, no. I think they could get Whittingham, and I think that would be a great hire. Uh, we should float out. I'm just going to float John Harbaugh's name for every job now. <laughs> and I'm going to float Jeff Brom. <laughs> what, about the dude, what, what about the dude that got canned for the Browns? What, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Jackson? No, heck no, man. Dude, he's lost like every game almost. What is he? He's, he lost like uh, two straight seasons. <laughs> he's like, he Does he have ties to I have no idea about Hugh Jackson. I'm not a giant. I'm not a giant NFL guy, but something tells me he's got. Yeah, he does. He was the offensive coordinator. He was the he was the USC offensive coordinator in 1997. 
1998, 1999, 2000. He he was there for a while before going to the NFL. So that doesn't sound as stupid as I thought it did rolling off my tongue. I don't think USC should hire a guy with ties to the program. I think they got to go away from it. But I think that he's a name you're going to hear, whether or not he gets the job, who knows. But if Helton gets fired, I think that that name's going to float around out there. Well, obligatory names you're going to hear. You're going to hear uh, Brent Venables because you hear Brent Venables every single time. Unless right? he gets hired at Kansas State. Eric, Eric Bieniemy will be another guy's name that you'll hear now because of what he's doing with the Rams, even though he wasn't successful as a college coach. And uh, I think a large part of his success is the head coach he's under there. Who else? Who are obli- – oh, Charlie Strong is an obligatory name you have to put in your article, right? Always got to put Charlie Strong He's not having there. a great year right now either. No, he got um, beat by Temple, baby. North Broad, represent. Let's go. Hey, I was I was in your city uh, last weekend. We can talk about that later. I was in last weekend in Philly at an EDM show. That's was all right. All right, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that later. Anyway, you will hear those names. What about the coach? Nah, not for USC. I was going to say what about the coach at Army that everybody seems to love, but I he runs the weird offense, and I don't think that that would go over very well no. in Southern California. Um, yeah. That's James Franklin. You mentioned. I don't think that's a good fit for USC. He's got. All of his recruiting ties are in the East Coast. He's an right. East Coast guy, Florida, the SEC area, and now you know Pennsylvania and the Mid Atlantic. I, I just, I'm sure they make that call because he's a he's a darn good coach. But I just don't think it makes sense for anybody. I don't either. But they asked him about it in a press conference, and you know he kind of he kind of pulled a Roy Williams rather than shooting it down as like a a falsehood or, or scoffing at it. You know he's he didn't really shoot it down. He just said you know that. You people always want to bring up coaching changes in the middle of the season when we got kids to coach. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I mean they'll kick the tires for sure. You think he would work there? No, I don't think he'll work there. I don't think he's that good of a coach. I think he's a guy who got lucky on a down year in the SEC with Vanderbilt and um, had a couple good players and a good defense and put together some offense. And then he got generational talent like uh, Saquon Barkley, and uh, he's gone and they're struggling. They're, they're Even though they're 14 in the country, I think that's also due in part to the lack of uh, – depth and top teams this year. And when Trace McSorley's going next year, I'm going to be really interested to see if he can keep that ship afloat. I wouldn't hire him this year. I'd keep, I'd keep Helton this year, honestly, myself. But I, Yeah, uh, I would too. For sure. I do the thing, and Woody always laughs at me about this. I do this with Brom and I do this with Franklin, where I can't decide if I think they're good coaches. One year, I'm like, yeah, okay, they've convinced me. And even with Brom, it's week to week. <laughs> it's, okay, right. he's convinced me. And the next week, it's like, yeah, maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves and uh, – I think he's Matt Campbell some weeks who I do. I think you want to talk about getting ahead of ourselves. I think I've seen Matt Campbell's name in articles as a possibility for USC. And that's insane. Yes. He's obligatory. He goes into that file. He's in the obligatory hot seat article filler guy. He's definitely one of those dudes. How did we get to this point with him? He won eight games at Iowa state. And now he's, he's, he's bear Bryant. It's I, I don't, They've got six wins this year. It's not like they're lighting, you know, they just lost them. They blew a pretty bad game last week. They've got six wins. They could very well lose to Kansas State next week and they'll go six and five or they lost the game to the Hurricanes. So they'll make that up. So they'll probably win seven games. I don't know if that's okay. Let's hire him at USC time, is it? No, absolutely not. Ohio State. I, I was named to Ohio State too when we thought that job was coming open. And that's, it's, it's insane. But again, we, we have, I, I, we have ended I, off. Yeah, we have ventured off on that because he's just article filler. <laughs> he is, but I, I think you know some people start as article filler and then they end up getting the job. I, you know, I've seen it happen 
a lot. Uh, and I think that that would be a bad, bad, bad situation for USC. We should touch on Cliff Kingsbury before we move on. Let's not do very long with him. Do you think he will be back next year? Um, I don't, I think that they're calling, they're circling the wagons out there for him as well, trying to get rid of him. They want a culture change and they're saying all the things that you're saying, such as, um, you know, we need to get somebody outside of the program. And, uh, I've heard Brent Venable. So, so who is Iowa's, I'm sorry, Texas Tech's AD. What's his Kirby name? Holcutt. He played with, with Venables, Venables at, at Kansas, Kansas State. State. And they used to like pull the car over every time right now from Van Halen came on and do like linebacker drills on the side of the road. You know, so I think that he could actually be non-article filler if you're talking about him going to Texas Tech because he's boys with the AD. What, what do okay, you think? So let's, let's talk about this then. I think that that is possible. But what if, and I think this is not a very long shot, what if, I think the Kansas State jobs are going to open up. Mm. And, and if that's open and Texas Tech is open, I think that there's a good possibility he goes to K-State. I think I think Texas Tech's a better job, though. And I know you have K-State ties and all that. No, no, it is. But like you said, I mean, K-State is his alma mater. I, I think that plays in sometimes. I think Texas Tech is definitely a better job. Not by a lot. I mean, it's the better job in the way that at least it's in a state with a lot of talent, even though it is in the western part of that state kind of isolated from the rest of the actual cities. It's easier to recruit to Texas Tech than it is to Manhattan, Kansas by far. But what's the gap here? Do you think, you know, how much of a better job is, is Texas Tech than K-State? It's not. I, I don't think it's a big gap. Yeah, I'd say Texas Tech is on like the tier above Kansas State, but not by a lot. You know, like Texas Tech could flux back down into Kansas State's tier and vice versa. Kansas State could bump up. So they're like bumping tiers right there. You know, the- Are you ready? Now, uh, this is an insane rumor I heard. And like I said, this is just a rumor. I want to float this out there. I heard that last year, do you remember last year when they thought they were going to fire Kingsbury? Yeah. And he saved his job by beating Texas in the last week of the season. Today, somebody that is very plugged into that program uh, (laughs) hinted at me that possibly Mike Leach tried to get the job back. Like he called and maybe didn't necessarily try, try, try to get the job back, but felt around, which is sounds crazy because of the financial dispute he had with the university. But that's not really with Kirby Holcutt. You know, that's, you know, that's with other people. That's with the Board of Regents. I don't know that Kirby would hire him. But I do believe this person that told me he tried to he tried to ask about the job, and I think it would be hilarious. I don't think it would happen, but it's I think it's something that we will see. If I know Mike the way I think I know Mike, that it will leak to the media that he's trying to get that job. No doubt. What about Mike Leach to USC? I think it would be a great hire. They would never do it. I know. Um, I I think people see him as a little bit of a loose cannon, even though I don't think he is. I think everything that he does is pretty well thought out. Uh, I don't think he's as insane as people think. I think there's a method to his madness. Uh, I would hire him. I don't. I don't know that USC will. But we can move on. We don't need to spend that much time on Texas Tech, considering the job isn't even open. Uh, we're out here right, trying to right. forge. All right, more to your beat. Let's talk about Louisville. What uh, is going on? Are they going to get Brome? And if they do not, what's next? Because it well, doesn't I- seem like there is a next. Yeah, there's not a next, I don't think. Um, I'm in a precarious situation because I write for Purdue and I write for uh, Louisville. Um, by write for, I mean they both send me some money every every month for my little contributions on the site. So um, on the Purdue side of things, the argument is, you know, he really wanted to go there and build something there, right? And 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 I've talked to people within the program who said. We have we don't know that he's leaving. Uh, we tr- we truly think that he is totally torn because he didn't expect Bobby Petrino to get fired the way he did. He 
truly genuinely wanted to build that Purdue program up into a contender. And then when the time was right, step off. But he, they're, they're saying that the time isn't right there. And I've spoken to some uh, recruits, family members, and they tell me, you know, this guy brought math teachers and stuff from Western Kentucky over to <laughs> Purdue with him. Right. So he's got a lot of people that he is uh, responsible for. And he's a quirky guy. Like he still drives a 2004 Honda uh, Civic or Honda Accord around, Like he's not a flashy guy. Um, hey, nothing so, wrong with driving a Honda Accord, Dave. No, no, absolutely not. But you know, he doesn't. You know, <laughs> he's he, a coach. He, yeah. he, he don't got the big uh, Jimbo Fisher truck. You, you know what I'm saying? But the Louisville market here seems to say that you know, like it's a done deal. Like uh, a lot of the media people I speak with, uh, there's there's this phantom agent out here that went to the same high school, uh, Trinity, which is a powerhouse out here. You're familiar with Trinity, Stephen Aaron, Rondale Moore. Um, and so they're saying, you know, this agent here is saying to them, yeah, Jeff Brown's coming. And But I haven't heard one piece of information from media guys that I would report and write an article about because I, I would totally be just guessing and speculating at this point. It's, but, there's always some Asian. Right. There's always some agent or somebody, some real estate agent, too, that, that like knows the wife is shopping for a house. It's it's amazing how the story is the same every single time. Well, <laughs> so that's, like that's that's the funny thing. I mean, that's exactly what it, in Louisville. It's always I heard he bought a horse, but he actually is from Louisville. He, he, he went to he, Jeff Brown went to Trinity. He went to Trinity. He played at Louisville. He coached at Louisville. He recruits Kentucky. Well, he he recruits the city of Louisville. Well, and um. He he's, you know, a Louisville guy through and through, and he, he does own a house here right now, but he also owns one at Purdue. So the whole thing is just how many horses he got, though. That's the question. I don't think Jeff is a horse guy. You know, Jeff strikes me more as a dog lover. I don't think he's into that uh, horse culture here in, in Kentucky. Mike Leach would buy some horses. If Mike Leach buys a horse in Louisville, that's what we need to do. We'll have the Louisville horse tracker if Jeff Brown doesn't come. And any coach that buys a horse in Louisville, it's over. You already know what's up. It's a done deal. Most coaches buy horses for like horse racing, I'm sure, or like breeding thoroughbreds. Can't you see Leach in one of these like uh, horse-drawn carriages? Yeah. Like, like Ben-Hur? <laughs> <laughs> I could see him buying like a plow horse and just like going out of the field and planting carrots or something like that, you know? I don't know. Before before I knew you, really, he was on this podcast a couple of times and we've got a whole episode of Mike Leach's Key, Key, Key West Recommendations, which is a pretty good, a pretty good, maybe my favorite interview that we've ever done on this podcast. How did I miss that? Or I feel like I've listened to every podcast episode. You're going to have to no, say No, I mean, you got to remember. And this was the early days of this podcast before we decided that all coaches were boring. You know, we had Stoops on, we had Leach a couple of times, uh, Mike Riley before he got fired in Nebraska. We were doing a thing where we were having a coach every week. And then it turned out Leach was the only interesting one. And the rest of them, where I really snapped is I asked Bob Stoops what the last song he listened to was, and he told me he didn't listen to music. And that's when I was just like, okay. Oh, this is what we're doing, and I was done. And that was the last coach that – we decided at that point, no more coaches on this podcast unless they were interesting. Woody and Nick had on – I can't remember what school he went to, but he called himself the swag director. He was like – employee. Temple, yeah, it was Temple's – it was in all apologies to this guy because I'm sure he's a great guy. I can't remember his name. It was the worst interview in the history of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and it was not, it was not Woody or Nick's fault. I mean, it was just he was not very swaggy, to say the least. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Louisville. All right. So um 
Speaking of swag, swag director. <laughs> um, yeah, so Louisville's in trouble if they don't get Brom. And I think that the Louisville media is saying it's a done deal. And maybe somebody knows something that they're not telling me because like, maybe they think I'm a blabbermouth or I'm going to run to the message board, break the news. But I, I've i talked to recruits' parents who are adamant that they that Jeff Brom would stay there. Uh, I've talked to um, – you know, people within the program who are, are telling me that this isn't a done deal at all, and uh, which would be wise if I'm Jeff Brom. I'm saying, no, I'm staying at Purdue to drive that price up. I've also heard that uh, Brom is going to get a nice little raise this year, and Louisville just has to – they have to pay $14 million to Bobby Petrino for his buyout, <clears throat> and they're going to have to buy out – or they're going to have to pay some money to uh, the assistant coaches too. Um, well, these guys are always staying and staying and staying until they're not. I mean, even Scott Frost tried to – Act like he wasn't leaving. Last right, year, right, which, right. Absolutely. And and I mean, Willie, Taggart, Willie Taggart last year did the same thing for a minute, and he got he got a nice little check. And then the Florida State AD signs uh, Willie Taggart to this big contract, and he skips town. <laughs> yeah, and I would have done the same thing, man. Like I said, I'm not I'm not loyal to anybody. I will go work for you if you will pay me a dime more. Uh, if I was a coach, I would be the worst coach in the world because provided, I would jump provided there's job stability. Now you're contradicting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> If there's jobs, to, if I have, if I've been somewhere a long time, I'm not going anywhere. There's just no way. But if I'm actually confident, maybe it's because I can't picture myself as a coach because there's no way I could do it, and I would know I was a fraud, so I would just, I would just. Stay <laughs> so look, my hot take, my hot take on Jeff Brom to Louisville is it's a fifty-fifty proposition. There we go. It's my hot take, my freezing hot take. Yeah, way to take a stand, Dave Lackford. All right, let's move on. You got a tweet of the week because I do not have a tweet of the week. This is where we really miss Woody here and the fact that I do not know how to upload this podcast, so it's possible that nobody will ever hear it. Yeah, and and we miss Nick because we don't have any production or any cool sounds or anything like that. (laughs) This is bare bones. This is just like two losers talking over dead air. Um, I hope we don't lose our entire audience. Uh, I don't have a tweet of the week, but I have a I have one that I saw that all right. So it's from this guy named Pete Pete Ozuna, and he says it's poetry. It says I gave you ten dollars, he gave you twenty dollars. You felt that he was better just because he gave you more, but he had two hundred dollars. All I had was ten dollars. Dot dot dot. Let that sink in. Nah, this is uh this is my the Catholic school in me is going to show here. That is a ripoff of a Bible verse. Um, I don't know which verse, but it's like a paraphrased version of some Bible verse. That is not his tweet. That is Jesus's work or Matthew or Mark or Peter or whoever else wrote the gospels. Uh, that that's no, uh, uh-uh. well, yes, I'm the guy. My, my response to old Peter Zuna oh. is both of y'all are broke. <laughs> <laughs> did you just nominate yourself for tweet of the week? No, no. I, yes, I did. I didn't even tweet it though. Like, Hypothetical tweet of the week. I'm trying to chill out on my Twitter, man, because I'm getting in trouble a lot. So I'm trying to chill out on Twitter and, and just stick to sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to end up in the Woody Womack school of don't mess up on Twitter anymore. You're going to get a stern talking to. I, I mean, if I was if I was employed by rivals right now, I definitely would have already had that. I'd probably be on the hot seat right now. So I'm trying to chill out, though. I'm trying to chill out. I got some mentors in the game saying, you know, what's your purpose with this tweet? <laughs> like, all right, you're right. I mean – Stop. We we never picked our games, so let's go through and pick the games this week, um, and then we can be done. Uh, we go rant to recommendations and be done. You are one and four on the season, which is admittedly a small sample size, but not great. I myself, the king of gambling, uh, am twenty three thirteen and one. How about that? All right, I'll take that for data. 
Woody's sitting at 33, 28, and 1. And the deceased Nick Kruger finishes his run at Rivals.com at 13 and 12. Rest All right, piece. this week. This week, uh, the first game will start with the game. Uh, Michigan is a four-point favorite at Ohio State. Who are you taking? Dave Lackford. Uh, give me Michigan in that one. They, they finally win this one. Uh, Harbaugh gets the monkey off his back, and uh, Urban Meyer fades off into the sunset to begin the Ryan Day era. I am with you for just being on the basis that Ohio State is just somehow not good, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I know their players are good. Uh, maybe Urban is distracted. I don't know. That is a bad football team recently, and I just can't see them snapping out of this to play Michigan. I think Michigan covers the four. Uh, game number two in the Big 12. Oklahoma is a point and a half favorite going to West Virginia. What say you, Dave? Uh, I think West Virginia's loss last week was a uh, minor setback for a major comeback. And give me the Mountaineers. We are on the same page once again. Oklahoma gave up a grip of yards to the Kansas Jayhawks. And the previously mentioned Puka Williams last week, West Virginia's offense is much better than Kansas's offense. I think that they're going to, I think, <laughs> I think West Virginia is going to score 55 points and I did don't you, think Oklahoma can keep pace. Did you say a grip of yards? A grip. Yeah. A grip of a, yards. A gang of yards. All right. That's, that's <laughs> a West school, West coast slang right there. Hey man, I'm a guy that moved around a lot. I, I, I pick it up from everywhere. All right. Let's see if we can get a different pick here on the Apple cup Friday night. For some reason, Washington heads to Washington state. Washington is a three point underdog here. Uh, Give me the pirate on that one. All right, you're taking Leach. I'm taking the pirate by seven. I think I, I, I'm going to take Washington just because it it seems like Leach always loses one of these games late in the season. It, it happened at Texas Tech too when he had Michael Crabtree, and they were you know they were they looked like national title contenders for much of the year. And then it gets late in the season and something happens. And this just seems like it's going, this is that game. I know that is really, really shaky logic that makes no sense. And it goes against most of the things that I believe in, but I just can't see Washington state making a push for the playoff. I think that they lose this game. And it, I, will it, take, and I will take Washington on the points. For those listening at home, if you heard Rob, uh, his verbal consternation there. He's going to switch that pick when he actually goes to bet this week. So <laughs> keep that in yeah. mind. <laughs> you know, the thing is, though, every time I do that, I end up screwing myself over. If I would just bet, if I would just stick with these picks and be 20, 23, 13 and one on the year, I could, you know, maybe afford to buy something. <laughs> I don't know what. I, all right, moving on. What's next? We've got, uh, oh, we've got the Iron Bowl, which is a giant spread. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking Auburn. I do not see a way in which Alabama covers 24 and a half points in the Iron Bowl. I just don't. I, I know that Auburn stinks and I know that Alabama looks like a juggernaut. I just I just can't see this game ending in that kind of blowout. I'm going to stick with the safe money and never bet against Bama. So roll tide. Uh, I've often said on this podcast that when you bet against Bama and you lose, you feel dumb. So much, so much, so much dumber than you would in any other game. It's not only did you lose your bet, your money's gone. In retrospect, it's always very easy to look back and be like, why did I ever bet against Alabama? But and the 24, I, I stay away from the 24 point spread games always. There's nothing worse than when you're watching that game and you got money on it. And it's like, it just toes the line right there with the spread. I say the second worst thing in sports is if you play fantasy baseball and your relief pitchers getting shelled. That's like the second worst feeling in sports. But yeah, because they don't even, they don't even register an inning and they give up eight runs or something. Yeah, and everything says inf. 
I took really early in the season, I took a giant line that somebody was playing Clemson and I can't remember who it was, but the line was out of control and I took the underdog and it was a slow bleed as Trevor Lawrence just decimated me and they ended up winning the game by like 50 points. Was it Louisville? Was it Louisville or Florida State? It had to be one of those two. Oh, it was Florida. I think it was, no, I think it was maybe Louisville. And I was like convinced Louisville's terrible, but are they this terrible? And the answer to that question was yes. Yeah, they're the worst team in the Power Five. You believe that? I do not believe that. I do. They they almost lost to Western Kentucky. Who not, they they would not lose to Rutgers. I'm sorry, Rutgers. They they, <laughs> they would beat Rutgers. We should have the toilet bowl. <laughs> they should go to. They well, we go thought to- we had it earlier in this year when Kansas played Rutgers, and then Kansas turned out to be not. I don't think Kansas is in the discussion for worst Power Five team. I don't. I, I don't think they're in there. I think they would beat Louisville for sure. What's Rutgers' record? Hold on, they got wins. Over P5 teams. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they have wins against P5 teams. I'm looking up right now. Go with the next pick, and I want to tell you. Uh, all right. So the last pick, we just did the Iron Bowl. The last pick is, <laughs> boy, it's not a good one. Uh, Florida and Florida State. Florida is a five-and-a-half-point favorite going to Tallahassee. Florida State's coming off a big win, uh, which the program has now deemed a statement win. Uh, I saw it was called that on Twitter often, over Boston College and A.J. Dillon. I don't feel like this – I don't know. I think Florida's a better team right now, but I don't – rivalry games in Tallahassee scare me. I could see FSU winning this game. Give me the Gators just based on talent alone, but the, the quarterback situation there does not inspire me. Uh, you know, if Felipe Franks plays and plays poorly, Florida State's got a pretty good defense. I could see this going either way. I will take Florida, but I will not take Florida confidently. Mm, well, Rutgers held – Rutgers – Stayed with Penn State and they lost by thirteen points, twenty to seven. I don't, what is I, their record? They have not beat a Power Five team. There's a, <laughs> they, no. What is their record? They have one win or two wins. They got two wins. They beat uh, the fictional. They beat Texas State from uh, was that was that necessary, necessary roughness? Necessary yeah. roughness. Yes. So they, they beat necessary roughness and they beat uh, Morgan State out in Baltimore, um, crosstown rival. And then Louisville would seal club Rutgers. Louisville would win by no. two points. No, I, 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 I don't believe it, but we can't prove it, so this is pointless. All right. Rutgers quarterback is – I don't want to shame the – okay. We, I am not, baby. <laughs> he's, he's, let's just say that he has not played well this year. You're not going to be allowed back at IMG if you do that, so stop. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I won't hear it. Florida and Florida State, who you got? All right, it's rivalry week, so let's do the cliches, right? All right, uh, number one, throw the records out the window. Uh, number two, uh, it's the it's the lesser team's bowl game right here. And it actually is for Florida State because if they yeah, don't win, keep they – the streak alive. And it, they're trying to keep the streak alive with the, the asterisk streak because there were some, you know, retroactively uh, forfeited games in that. But give me uh, Florida State to cover the spread on that one. Taking the Seminoles, do you think they went outright, or do you just think they cover the five and a half? I mean, if, I, I, if I had to just bet the line straight up, I'd take Florida. But I'd take, I'd take FSU to lose like like they did to Miami, like on a heartbreaker. I mean, they were up 27-7 on Miami, and uh, Florida is not a, doesn't impress me. So um, yeah, well, here's the other thing: is Miami is also not good. And I told you that at the beginning of the year, and I picked. Oh, speaking of my one and four record, you talked me out of the LSU over Miami thing. <laughs> look, look, I've lost a lot of money on Nebraska and LSU this year. I'll just <laughs> go ahead and say it. But I, I was convinced that that LSU was bad for a, a, a longer time than I should have believed that. Like <laughs> there were so many warning signs that hey, maybe this team's good, and I chose to ignore those warning signs. Just because their offense is so 
inconsistent, but that defense is real. I apologize for all of the mean things that there. When I go back next year and I always do the over unders, I write that story for every team. I'll take the over and under. I wrote some pretty slanderous things about LSU, so I'll have to relive that <laughs> next year before the season. Uh, and I haven't even found him yet. Like I remember when I wrote it, I had a bunch of LSU fans in my mentions, uh, and they have not come back to me yet. I'm sure they will next year. So. I'll, I'll find that article and uh, quote tweet um, freezing cold takes and get them on your trail. You know what I mean, yeah, they've they've done a number on me in the past, but. All right, that's all the games. Do you have anything? Rants, recommendations, anything good to talk about Dave Lackford? Um, rants? No, I don't I don't have any rants. I got a recommendation. Don't buy Fallout 76. That's my recommendation. I could rant about Fallout 76. Uh, they, this, they, this is a video game, yes? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a big fan of Fallout, right? I've been playing it since I was a kid when I was on the video game, uh, on the on the, the computer, the PC. And um, – they basically took a game that had a bunch of nuance to it and a, a world full of characters and gutted all the characters. There's no non-player characters. There's no missions. You just run around after quest markers and um, play a gutted version of a game that was good that cost the same amount. So do not buy Fallout 76. It's garbage. Well, let me ask you this. As somebody that does not play video games, I am still aware of, I think, video game culture. I am familiar with what Fortnite is. What you're describing sounds like what I think Fortnite is. Is it, it is. possible that that game was so popular that Fallout just tried to do what they did? Yeah, they tried They tried to bite off of Fortnite, but the, the Fallout fans are used to an immersive, um, you know, what's the role-playing kind of game where you just go out and do all this crazy stuff in this fantasy world, and they just gut the fantasy world and be like, all right, go find a bunch of 12-year-olds to shoot with headsets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so see, you, and I, you and I are on the same page. I used to love Zelda, and if you released a Zelda game with no like puzzles and it was just Link with a sword killing other Links with no backstory, I would be all sorts. Yeah, that's what Fallout is. It's like you and some other guy named Link with a sword stabbing you and taking minimal damage off. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever. I hate it. I have a buddy that was so into Zelda at one point <laughs> that we were at a bar in college and <laughs> he looks at me and he's like, Rob, I have to go. And I'm like, what happened? Did you get in a fight with your girlfriend? Like, what do you mean you have to go? It's like 1 a.m. He's like, the people of Hyrule need me and they need me now. <laughs> <laughs> go home and, and, and play uh, Ocarina of Time, which is the greatest video game ever. I don't really have much. I guess mine is don't bring Twitter to Thanksgiving. This happened to me last year. I don't spend Thanksgiving with my family because I don't live in the same vicinity as them. So I usually have friends over. Uh, it'll have I get some friends coming in from Arizona this year, and we'll do it again. And it seems like last year, I, it was just people rehashing Twitter takes. Like, isn't turkey a terrible meat? Blah, 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 blah. And then it's you know screaming about politics and this and that. It's okay to, to, to leave Twitter on Twitter. Don't bring it to Thanksgiving. Just please. Did did you season the turkey? That's very popular on Twitter. Do you know do you know that white people only put pepper on their turkey? <laughs> I, I, I have read that. I've also read that turkey is an inferior meat and should never be served. Which fine. I, I eat whatever you want. I don't I, don't come to my house and start feeding me takes about meat. You know, it's it's if you want to argue about burger chains or whatever airlines or airports was a new one. Keep that on Twitter. I don't want to have live action Twitter at my Thanksgiving table. I'm not here to debate you on if the Orlando airport dining options are better than the ones in Salt Lake City or whatever. I feel like this podcast had a long run of uh, 
uh, airport rants, the best of which is where you were at like a Sabaro or something, and then the guy that was serving the food found out who y'all were, and he was a handler. <laughs> no, that was, I think that, was a, that was a Kruger. That was a Kruger. I was once at one of those Vino Vivo places, the wine bars in an airport, yeah. and some guy came up and ordered a shot of Hennessy, and the lady was like <laughs> – the lady was like, this is a wine bar. We don't have Hennessy. And the guy goes, oh, are there any real bars in this airport? <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't got no Schmitz malt liquor. It was, it was, it was amazing. And uh, she was like, uh, yeah, I think there's an Irish pub around the corner. I, I think it was in Charlotte maybe. I can't really – no, maybe Atlanta. Okay, it was too long ago. It's, it sounds very Atlanta-ish to me. Yeah, yeah. You ain't got no Hen yeah, the best thing you said on the pod last week when you were talking about Zach Smith and you were like, yeah, he's on the fast track to Handler Town. There is no doubt about it that Josh Hemholt, who works in the Midwest, who we love very deeply on this podcast, will one day get a phone call from him trying to push a player that he trains. I mean, it's the only avenue left for Zach Smith. He's not going to get hired. So when you can't get hired as a coach, you do what several other people who I will not name in Miami have done in the past, and you become a handler. And that's gonna, that's the direction we're going. He's gonna, he's I thought gonna OJ say. was going to be a handler, Dave. I'm, I, I still, I'm still not hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I think that if he spends a little bit of money and somebody tells him that there's money in handling, that we could get handler OJ Simpson. I, I don't think it's that far removed. Can you imagine getting a direct message from OJ Simpson? It's like it's like uh, two huddle, it's two huddle videos being like, I got some guys. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I'll make every single one of them a five star as long as you promise not to ever come within fifty feet of me. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. You know, I'll make your unborn I'll make your unborn grandson or nephew a five star. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for us. Uh, I think our first show together went well. It should be a lot of me and you uh, for the next few weeks while Woody is gone. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It was good to have you. And uh, I'll see you again next week, Dave Lackford. All right, Roberto. Peace. All right.